This is Jim English. Welcome to my podcast. It's called The Who Gives a Shit Files. And I am relatively new at this, so I appreciate your patience and indulgence. What we're going to talk about today is a little-known chapter in U.S. history. And the name of the segment is called The Poisoning of Three U.S. Presidents. And this is a relatively unknown chapter in American history that dramatically affected the direction of the country in the 1800s. Now, in February of 1862, there was a terrible crisis going on in the country. The Civil War was raging, and Abraham Lincoln had to cope with this. And in 1862, he realized this was going to be a prolonged conflict, that this was not going to be a quick fix, and that millions of young men would die on the battlefield and many more would die of starvation and being a man of conscience and being a man of religion this weighed on him heavily another thing that affected him was his wife mary todd lincoln she privately thought that political ambition was the devil's work and she felt that god was going to punish their family for joining for joining into the White House and running for president and getting elected. So can you imagine running the Civil War and not having 100% of your wife's support? It was a tough situation. But there was one bright spot for Abraham Lincoln, and that was his son, William Wallace Lincoln, who was 11 years old. Now, he was a rambunctious hellion. He was into everything. He was full of mischief. He was Mary and Abraham's favorite son. They had four sons, and he was just a blue-eyed, beautiful lad that brought a smile on his father's face every single day. Now, unfortunately, February 20th, 18. 62, little Willie, 11 years old, got gravely ill. He got stomach cramps, explosive diarrhea, and unfortunately, he died that night of typhoid fever and dehydration. And a dark shadow really enveloped the White House at that point. Some sources say that Mary Todd Lincoln felt her son was taken from her due to the evil of political ambition. And one thing about Mary Todd Lincoln is she may be the most tragic figure in White House history. And I'll tell you why. is because she was from Lexington, Kentucky, which was a slave state. And several of her brothers died during the Civil War's Confederate soldiers. And her family was committed to the Southern cause. Now, what exacerbated this was the fact that three of her four sons she buried. They did not outlive her. So if you look at this, she had brothers who died on the side of the Confederacy. She had to bury three of her four sons. Then she had to deal with the death of her husband, which is an awful situation and I feel so sorry for this woman. But an interesting side note and some irony, their only surviving son 
Robert Todd Lincoln, who lived a long life and he was in government service and served in the White House for his entire career. He witnessed, was there when his father was assassinated in 1860. He was also there when James Garfield was assassinated in 1880. And McKinley, uh, William McKinley, when he was assassinated in 1900, he witnessed all those events. And that is crazy in my opinion. Now, we're gonna talk about the election of 1840. William Henry Harrison was the first Whig president. It was a short-lived political party that came to power in 1840 and elected William Henry Harrison. Now, William Henry Harrison was a war hero. He defeated Tecumseh at the Battle of, of Tippecanoe, which was a huge victory against the Native Americans. In the battle, in the War of 1812 against the British, he guarded our nation's Western Front. And he was a tough man. He was hale and hearty and he, he lived in the wilderness for years. And when he got elected president, he wanted to deliver a strong message to the government, to his people, to Congress, and to the Senate. And what he did is he stood out in the D.C. winter, which if you've ever been to D.C. in the wintertime, it's bitter and windy. He stood up there and gave a speech that is reputedly the most boring inaugural address ever by a president. And he did it for two hours. And he did it without a coat or without a hat. And he lasted only 41 days as president. And it was interesting that history, because I remember this as a kid, history said that he died of pneumonia. But research has shown that he, like Little Willie, died of typhoid, explosive diarrhea, and dehydration. Now, can you imagine a man that survived the Indian Wars, lived out in the middle of nowhere with no civilization in the wilderness, and lasted only 41 days in the White House? Pretty disturbing. Pretty disturbing. In the election of 1844, James K. Polk was, was elected president. And he was a career politician. He served in Congress. He was the governor of Tennessee. And he was a huge proponent of Manifest Destiny. And what he wanted to do is he wanted the United States to extend from sea to shining sea from the Atlantic to the Pacific. And in order to do this, he needed more land. So he picked a fight with Mexico and he sent some people to Texas, which was an open rebellion against Mexico. And those people were killed and he went to Congress with righteous indignation and convinced them to declare war on Mexico. And that's exactly what we did is we went to war with Mexico and we frankly kicked their ass. James K. Polk got what he wanted. He annexed Texas, Arizona, California, and New Mexico, and also two parts of Nevada. 
So he increased our land by about 50%. Now, he served out his term, but in 1850, he got sick. Stomach cramps, diarrhea, salmonella, bacteria, and died of dehydration, typhoid fever. 1848, the election, Zachary Taylor was elected. He, like Harrison, was a war hero. He fought in the War of 1812. He won the Black Hawk and Seminole Wars against the Native Americans. And he helped win the Mexican-American War. As a matter of fact, he was in charge of the decisive battle, which is the Battle of Monterey, which forced the Mexicans to surrender. And he was a tough man. He was known as rough and ready, and he was a career, career military guy and a national hero. He was loved. But he died in 1850. Oh, and one other thing that I should, I should mention here that's, that's kind of funny is that he was a military man. He was not a politician. As a matter of fact, he never voted in any election until he was running for president. But he died in 1850. Now, what happened is during his election, he was running or intimated that he was pro-slavery. And then when he got elected and he was in the White House, he started voting for anti-slavery legislation. And when he died in 1850, because he was such a, a war hero and a national figure, the country was stunned. And conspiracy theorists and the press started saying that he was killed. And one of the people who they thought could have poisoned him was Jefferson Davis, who married his sister, I believe, and became president of the Confederacy. And there was a cloudy lack of real determination of how Zachary Taylor passed away. So in 1991, I'm talking 1991, not 1891, 1991, a historian and a medical doctor convinced Zachary Taylor's ancestors to exhume the body and solve the mystery of his death. And what they did is they took care of his, they took a look at his fingernails and his hair, and they found no evidence of arsenic poisoning, which was the poisoning of the day in the 1800s. What they did find is that he died of, once again, typhoid fever, stomach cramps, dehydration, explosive diarrhea. Not a pretty way to go. But let's recap this. Let it, let's, let's recap this. So the presidents in 1840, 1844, and 1848 all died of typhoid fever, stomach cramps, and dehydration. Now I ask you, does that sound like a coincidence? Hell no. And what we want to know, who or what killed them? And the answer is the White House. 
the White House killed all these three presidents and little Willie Lincoln as well. In during George Washington's reign, and George Washington was probably the most influential person in the United States getting their independence from Great Britain, the most powerful country in the world. And the capital then was in Philadelphia. Now, what, what Washington noticed was that Philadelphia and Pennsylvania the politics of those two states, of the city and the state, were affecting how the federal government was being run. So his vision and the vision of the other founding fathers were to move the capital from Philadelphia to Washington, D.C. So they purchased federal land. Uh, they purchased, I'm sorry, they purchased state land from Maryland and Virginia and they started building Washington, D.C. Now, these founding fathers who built Washington, D.C. did wondrous things. I mean, they set up a democracy out of a little wilderness country. They developed a constitution. They developed amendments. They had incredible vision. They built the executive branches, the legislative branches, the judicial branches, and they set up all the plans for, for Washington, D.C. Unfortunately, what they did not build and what they did not envision was the fact that Washington, D.C. needed a sewer system. So what happened is people would throw their human waste, their fecal matter, into the streets at night. They called it the night depository. And government workers would come and they would clean up all the human waste and drop it in a remote area uphill from the White House. And by the way, this is now a residential area in Washington, D.C. It's actually quite a rich residential area. And the way they got water is they brought it in by buckets. There was a bucket brigade that would take all the water from the Potomac and deliver it to the White House. And then in 1830, they started pumping in water. They developed a pipeline and they found a spring that was about three quarters of a mile from the White House, but it was uphill from the White House. So gravity would do the work of the pumping. Now, unfortunately, the spring was uphill from the White House, but it was downhill from the night depository where for 25, 30 years, the waste of all the people of D.C. had been dumped. So when the rains occurred, the human waste ran into the spring, which was pumped into the White House. So the people that were living in the White House were drinking and bathing in contaminated fecal-mattered water. I know, it's gross. It is a disgusting, gross story. Now, that was north of the White House. Let's talk about what happened south of the White House. There was, in about 1800, there was a D.C. canal that was built. And it was three or four blocks from the White House, south of the White House. And what people did is they deposited their trash, not their fecal matter, because that was a night depository. 
They deposited animal carcasses. Everything was thrown into that canal. And in the warm D.C., the warm, wet D.C. winters, summers, excuse me, summers, what happened is that place became a fetid swamp and stank. So you had presidents living in what was supposed to be the beacon of democracy, the great city of Washington, D.C., but it was really a hub for bacteria and disease. And unfortunately, it cost the lives of three presidents. Now, when we think about the presidents that have been assassinated, there has been so many documentaries, so much coverage, so much press, so many books written, so many films on the assassinations of Abraham Lincoln, James Garfield, William McKinley, and John F. Kennedy. But this little-known chapter of American history that is absolutely disgusting has never received the proper visibility that it should. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast.